Hello and welcome to the Three Guys Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Ben. I'm Dixon. And we just got back from seeing The Hobbit, Battle of the Five Armies. Part three. Woo. We made it. We, <laughs> we, we've somehow survived another three years of Peter Jackson films. I guess he's going back to King Kong after this, so. Is he? Supposedly. A prequel, I think it's what, Monster Island or not uh, Monster Island? Uh, Skull Island. Skull Island. Well, that could be cool. I wonder how he'll get three movies out of that. I don't know. I think he might push it to four. And his movies always have to be like three hours plus. This one wasn't didn't feel long. First up, it didn't oh. feel that long. <laughs> yeah, thumbs up to uh, Battle of the Five Armies or Hobbit Three because I'm not calling it its full name the whole time. Uh, it doesn't feel its length, which is a big plus. That was a problem I think we both kind of had with the second one. I know, I know you did. But I think everybody did. I don't know. If, I can't was... remember Ben did. I think we all did though. Yeah, it was that... it was a little long. And let's not forget that it, the thing I remember the most is it ends in the middle of a climax, which, you know, we've been holding it for a year. False well, advertisement. You want to start with that, then? How does that... Resolve? Kind of like... It resolves very quickly. <laughs> yeah, like... It was like the black guy in Jurassic Park. He just dies before the title comes up. <laughs> the first death, the uh, the no-named Mexican immigrant worker, or Spanish, or wherever he is. Was he? Costa Rican or somebody. Oh, I couldn't remember. Whoever those island people working on the island were. So yes, you, we've been holding it in this dragon fight for the better part of a year. I think it actually is just a year exactly, almost, or if not yeah, very close, just about. And it's it's very cool to look at, but it wasn't worth the year long build up. No, no. it almost no. could have ended. Because like, after. I mean, I've read the book and I was like, there's not a lot he does after this. <laughs> I think that's something you said in the in, when we did the original podcast. Um, that's it. Just isn't a whole lot more that he does once he leaves the fortress. It almost might have been better if they had just, I don't know, cut stuff, rearranged stuff. There had to be something they could pull there to get this scene. We could have just started up at Lake Town, recovering. I mean, it makes for a great opening, a tense beginning, but that's because we're watching the climax of movie two, and for some reason, Peter Jackson and company decided we're gonna take the climax out of this movie and make it the beginning of this movie. I think what they should have done is they should have... It should have been ended with, like, a climax of, like, after they beat him there, and they say, well, where do we go now? And then, you know, Bard will say, you know, to the mountains. Yeah, it's and then it should got end a, right there. It's kind of got a scene written for that, doesn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, it's not like it feels like we get, a like, a slow opening after that tense moment. It, the movie kind of stays tense. It does stay tense, and that might be the reason behind it, I suppose, but... Uh, I, I still don't know about that one. I'm still very on the fence on that one. On the one mm. hand, it probably makes the series better if you watch them in rapid succession. But you're a madman if you sit through all the Hobbit movies uh, and then all people, the Lord of the Rings I, movies. I've done stuff like that before, so it's not. You're, you're still a madman. I'm not taking. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I think we're all madmen. I've never done it. We but like the problem with the Hobbit, the Hobbit three, and the reason why we kind of got sidetracked there is I don't know what a whole lot we can talk about. Is it's basically what you expect it to be. It's a big fight scene. I'm being optimistic here, but I think the last 45 minutes to an hour is a fight scene. Like, there's stuff yeah, that happens in between that breaks the pacing. But it, it's not like um, the newest Transformers film, where yeah. it was just like, oh my god, like, you, like you're getting a headache because the fight scene's gone on so long. This, this had some nice peaks and lows to it. It did, there but... There was enough variety in what you're looking at. It wasn't just a bunch of whirling shapes. 
No. That's the benefit of using mostly real actors. We'll talk about that in a minute. Hmm. It, it, it's hard to deny that the climax of the film is the, is the Battle of the Five Armies. They start that relatively early, all things considered. Yeah. I think it's about and, an hour in. Yeah, to be fair, it's an hour in, but it's like over a it's like well, two yeah, this, hour movie. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. We didn't see it in 3D because I'm not sitting there for two and a half hours with the glasses on. I'm not paying that price. I don't think price. that would have looked that great. It's Smog hard to might have looked really cool in 3D. Uh, Smog uh, would look cool. I know. I noticed a couple times there. The Battle of Five Armies might have been cool. Another scene I think would have benefited from it, as I called it earlier, the epic level D&D encounter with uh, the, White the White Council versus the Necromancer. That basically wraps that plot story up so until we get to Lord of Rings. Admittedly, I'm glad they got that out of the way incredibly quick, because it would have been really irritating to see. back and forth again. Like, this feels much more cohesive than the last one. Yeah, because they didn't uh, keep chopping back and forth. Pulling pulled together. It is. It is. That's the, uh, that, that is the strength I will give this movie over its sequel for sure. It's prequel for sure uh predecessor predecessor better word is that it doesn't feel as poorly put together it's it's at the very least it's it's better put together than the last one it felt like there was more content in the quiet scenes like when they're in erevor something like not eerie but there's like definitely like a weird like a weird feeling about the place being so empty and like some good acting out of uh thorin like thorin kind of walks away as the the thing with the Twelve Doors at this point is Thorn becomes the only one that's remotely important to the story at this point. Yes. To uh, the story. I mean, it, he was always going to be the important character of the Twelve Dwarves. Oh, yeah, he was the leader. See, it's, it's sort of getting into the spoiler context of it because you've seen how the second movie ends, assumingly. You've had a year to watch it. Uh, as he gets down into the, um, into the Empty Mountain and he gets the treasure trove, he basically goes greedy mad. They, they, they call it the dragon sickness, I think yeah. it is. Where dragon he did, he, sickness or dragon fever. Yeah. Either way, it's he basically like turns into, He basically turned into smog, but in dwarven Which was kind of cool. Yeah. Well, even then, like, there was a... I'm pretty a, sure they spliced in some... Uh, oh, for sure. Yeah, I was actually going to Some smog... Uh, well, I can't remember the voice actor's name now. Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, I'm yeah. certain they, they spliced some of his speech oh. in. Oh, yeah. For some reason, you weren't paying attention. You got the idea that's what was going on. But it's, uh, no, he, he's good in the role. I don't recognize it for anything else, but that could just be the prosthetics. Maybe yeah. if I saw what he actually looked like, I'd well, actually be fair. Be like, I mean, I'm pretty sure you wouldn't notice any of those guys if you saw him walking down the street. There's not a lot of uh, opportunity for for acting in this one, necessarily, because there's a lot of fight scenes. So it's just The quiet, tender moments go to the Twelve Doors as they're holed up in the Empty Mountain. Um... The Lake Town people. The Lake Town people get a little bit, but because it's primarily a village of nobodies and... Except Bard and Alfred. Except yeah. Bard and Alfred and Bard's kids. Yeah. yeah. Those are basically the only important characters anymore. And once say uh, they move into position to join the Battle of Five Armies, it's like, well, we have two human characters. This, this movie's very um, Lord of the Rings fantasy race heavy, which is both good and bad. Yeah, because we didn't mm. see this many elves or dwarves. In, I think any of the other ones, we maybe no. saw. We didn't see that many dwarves because the dwarves oh, were kind of like extinct in the in the original movies. Yeah, there's, there's... unless you count the the council of what was it three five? They get the ring in the beginning when they're showing the oh, yeah. the montage five of... for the elven or for the dwarves. Yeah, it was three for the elven kings, five nine for the humans. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's you see, there's a lot of dwarves. A lot of doors, but you don't really see them per se. Other than the main ones, yeah, we get one other. <laughs> we get one other that's even remotely important, and that brings up the first 
oddity with this movie is a lot of the rank and file characters are, and even some of the important ones are all CG. Bill Connolly. He plays uh, Thorin's cousin, I yeah. think they said it was. I don't remember yep. his name because I can't speak Dwarven. And uh, He's got one of the more complicated, not complicated, but one of the sillier names. He's an entirely CG character. It doesn't look terrible. I'm not saying it looks bad, but you notice the difference when they but, you, it cuts back and forth from the people in prosthetics and... The CG. And the CG. There was one scene there when he's on the hog and, it, <laughs> the and battle he's pick. turning. And, it, and he looks really funny in his head there. And this might be the arm and the way it looks. It's... it's Doors are they're, they're kind of stout like that, but yeah. um, no. But the CG looked really funny on him. Yeah, the, the standing stills odd. were fine, but when he had to move and they tried to focus on him a lot, I suppose it looked funny. I suppose I shouldn't be surprised that a movie that contains a lot of wide army shots is mostly CG. I just didn't think all the close. Like we knew Azog and Ball, the two principal orcs, orcs from the last movie, were, were CG. I mean, yeah. They look okay. Yeah, they looked okay. I'm not saying they looked bad. It's just... not bad. This movie's got uh, that CG. There is some some epic mounts in this movie. Oh, some amazing <laughs> mounts! The uh, battle pig. I love the battle there's, pig. There's uh, like giant big horn sheep. Where did they get the big horn sheep from? Yeah, in that armor. was kind of inexplicable. I think it came with the Iron Clan. No, because if you watch well, they, the Iron they, like, Clan watch in, they're all on foot well, except for the leader. Later, I guess. Yeah. Well, yeah. there could have been a. And it wasn't the elves because the elves they don't do. Well, the, then there's the, a, no. They had the reindeer moose. The the moose reindeer thing, which looked awesome. It it's did. Great so shot. It's so elven, but it's so kind of cool looking at the same yeah. time. Like it's so beef. It looks awesome. It yeah. does look awesome. And then there's the uh, some of the trolls. <laughs> there was some smaller trolls, which had some like weird. Proportions look like the trolls from Harry Potter, and, a, and then the, some of the bigger war trolls. Well, it went from the orcs, which looked eh, as then they get the bigger to the some trolls. Of the orcs looked pretty good, like the mercenary, like some of the wild ones. Yes, looked actually really good. But it was the big trolls that were humorous. I know Ben got a chuckle out of the big one with the battering ram on its head. Yeah, <laughs> this is a big chunk of masonry. <laughs> it's like the corner of like an old piece. house. There, he has it on his head. Like a hilarious little house helmet, he just rams right into the wall, gets over. dizzy, and falls over. And it's like, oh and you my know God, what? That's he the took greatest. out the wall. <laughs> there's a lot of humor from the trolls, like falling over and killing orcs. Yes. Or there's one, like, okay, he's got chains and masonry at the end for for arms. Like they cut off his arms, put them on there, like his hands, or like okay. Yeah. But then you see his legs. They zoom out, and it's like, oh, he's got peg legs. That's hilarious. And at the bottom, there's maces. He has pe- spiked maces specifically. Has, yeah, he has mace peg legs with these masonry chain By arms. By the time you see him die, like you don't before you see him move with his legs, he dies. Like so, we're never gonna know how he actually moved about. That's <laughs> was, a mystery. Well, he waddled a like he kind of waddled a bit, and then he ran and got smashed into a wall. But, uh, but... a lot of uh, stuff that you wouldn't have seen from the first uh, trilogy. Oh, yeah. kind no. of over the top. Well, didn't you say... Actually, Legolas was a bit uh, more realistic in this one. Oddly, maybe because he's less experienced? I think maybe. I think that's the implication there. Um, was he... Like, you've read the book. Was he... He wasn't... Uh, remember, we've had this discussion before. He wasn't that involved in the Battle of Five Armies, was he? I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I really don't. Well, he, I think... he is like a Prince of Mirkwood. Like, that's a real thing, so... I know that he, part's real. I imagine he would have been there. I have a little bit of an issue towards the end of the movie where... Legolas' dad tells him to go find, you know, Aragorn. 
This is a column Aragorn. We call him Strider. Yeah, Strider. Yeah, I'm just like that's a little. I get these characters are connected, and as you explained in the car, they actually do have a longer history than the original movies, at least as I remember detail. Yeah, but it still seems kind of ham fisted. Like that's something I would have. That's something I would have chopped. Well, it's kind of like um, when they made the new Star Wars trilogy, and a lot they tied in a, as much as they could into like New Hope from. Like the prequels? Or? Return? Yeah, like the prequels. Like, they okay. did have a lot of stuff like that. So yeah, it, it's just, it's... A little ham-fisted. No, it's, it's true. true. It's true. It is a little ham-fisted, because it's... You and, gotta... like, some people would be like, well, this movie took, like, this story takes place way before. It's like, Aragorn's really old. That's something mm. they don't really get across in the movies. No, at all. That, uh... that Aragorn is actually a lot older than he is. Looks? <laughs> like, that's a thing in the series, so... But the fight scenes are really good. There's some really good stuff with, uh... Azog and and Ball. All the fight scenes were relatively well choreographed. I I took a little bit to the uh, well of offense with the uh, goblins that show up towards the end. Oh, the line? There's at least a hundred of them. And there's two of them fighting. But we think as well, we can take them. It's like and then we say that it's like. Yeah. And then we see Bilbo throwing rocks at these things and killing them. Yeah, like orcs, it, not goblins. Like yeah. he's not even hitting them in the head. He's hitting them like in the back and, they and just fall oh, over. Some of them he was hitting in the head there, but it was still. Like I was He's talking like to a Dixon, a, a person. I was like talking to Dixon, like, man, Bilbo's got a hell of an arm. He must. He, Why do they get plus one to hit with throwing weapons in D and D? Fair enough. But that that doesn't improve damage unless he's rolling crits all the time. Oh yeah, yeah. he. Well, he's a thief. They they don't Sneak see him. Attack. Sneak attack every time. It's, it's a little like <laughs> that part's a little silly. Yeah. yeah. I don't say there's a lot of death in this one. Like they showed more death in this than I think than a lot of the other Lord of the Rings movies. They did. Um, but yeah, a lot of bodies. As we go into oh, yeah. fight scenes, though, even I, people dying. Yeah, there's a lot of that. But I, I think the one thing I want to talk about, because we we alluded to this earlier, is the high level, the epic fight with the White Council. That's it's, it's like okay, you remember the wizard fight in the first movie? Yeah, yeah, with Saruman, with Saruman and Gandalf going having the weirdest wizard battle you've ever seen. Yeah. Um. It's these four... It feels like someone's just like, okay, this is going on in the side of you. Meanwhile, with your high-level characters, your legendary figures in this world... You're fighting <laughs> shadows. And, you know, the elven guy, uh, Agent Smith, is... Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving is tearing ass with a sword like some sort of swashbuckler rogue. Uh, Galadriel is basically a cleric. Who turns can this she, she turns Sauron. Yeah, she turns him. She can go light and dark. Uh... Gandalf spends most of the battle dead, and then Radagast <laughs> the Brown doesn't really do anything. No. He he, he, he pulls up the his he pulls up sled. the escape route, and then he shows up a little bit later in the movie, and that's kind of it. And, you know, I know Christopher Lee wasn't actually doing his scenes, but just like Christopher Lee's in the scene, somebody gonna die. Because, <laughs> you know, the guy's like in his 90s. Yeah. And he straight up don't give a shit. I like that, though. It actually gave you a sense of something that was missing from the original films, that these characters are actually as powerful as the world treats them. And that they like, know each the, other, they have a history. They have a history together. Yeah. The wizards are kind of a different thing, because they're angels, sort of, not really, kind of. Yeah. Kind However of. magic mm-hmm. works. That would be like the closest thing to what they are. But like we've never really seen what Galadriel's capable of. We've never seen what Elrond, Elrond is capable of. So it was kind of nice to see these characters, even the little bit that we do see of them, dealing with kind of the B-plot. 
Like, it's not the plot of the movie, but it's the overarching story. Which is story also resolved uh, very quickly. Which is good, because it gets a lot of the fluff out of the way. Because, like, the Battle of Five Armies is the big deal. Oh, it yeah. is, and that's why that takes as long as it does. I'm trying to think, is there anything... So, we've been talking about the stuff that we liked. How about the stuff we didn't like? Is there anything that sticks out to you as being force? Um, with Other the than the uh, triangle? The love triangle returns. Um, if you recall from the second Hobbit movie, the actress who plays, and I can't pronounce Turiel? her I think it's Turiel. I can't pronounce her name. Mm-hmm. Uh, the red-headed elf. Uh, she was upset that there was a love triangle written in between her, Legolas, and either... Which one of the two door brothers? Killy or Philly? Killy or Philly, the dark Killy. hair one. Yeah, I think it's Killy, but I can't keep track of them. Uh, she was apparently upset about that at the time, but it kind of plays out as well as it's going to. It's like the end it's of already this. it's mm. in the movie. You know it's there. They're not getting rid of it. So this is not midichlorians. Unfortunately, you can't hand wave this away. Yeah, and considering all these movies were filmed together, you were never going to anyway. Yeah, mm. um, it's not too bad, I suppose, but. It pull it does pull away sometimes out of it really badly. It's given a lot. Of, it's given sometimes a bit more time, and the whole movie slows down in those moments. And it's kind of a little. It's really forced because I don't have a problem that there is a love triangle. My problem is I don't understand why she would be in love with him as much as apparently he's a charming motherfucker. Because like they were together for all of like, well I guess. To be fair, in the books, they're there for, like, a while. It is implied by the time... Well, not, that that's, not that the love triangle is in the books anyway, but... No. I suppose... The implication at the end of the movie is it's been 13 months by the oh, time... Uh, 30. Bilbo... 30 months? Yeah. yeah. It's been a long time, so I guess it's assumed that they were there for a few days, maybe even a week or whatever. I think they were there movie. for months in the book, so... I it... think you got that feeling in the movie. Well, no. the movie, time is of no meaning here. Yeah. I'm the way, a... uh... Spoiler, the way Azog jumps out of the water is a little like I don't exactly know how that worked okay, yeah. it was expected well I kind of thought he was done for a sec but it wasn't but then totally it lingered unexpected. And it was just it's lingered. just like how did that happen though yeah there to put it in the context it's kind of it's he like the leader the as an Azog? As, Azog and Thorin are having a fight on a frozen waterfall which is very cool looking. I've seen that in Dark Souls. It's really, it's really sweet looking. He has this moment where it's just like, "Oh, I've defeated my enemy," and then he wants to, because he wants to watch this guy die. I'm pretty sure he said that at one of the other movies. Yeah. He has to watch this orc die, and then it's just like surprise, and then he leaps through the ice in a way that makes no sense unless he is a dolphin, I guess. Almost like Superman's through, just like, <laughs> like if he just grabbed him through the ice. Or even yeah. pulled himself up. That's not what happens. He leaps like a fish. Yeah, like 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 it. It's just kind of huh. It's like okay, we don't know how deep the actual waterfall is up there. Maybe he had something. But to it was stand not that on. he like went into the water. Like it was deep enough that, that he, he couldn't sank. stand up. Yeah, he could not stand up. So that must have been a big rock. I, I don't know. Maybe he found like a spot where he could kick off of. I don't know. No, I'm not a doctor. Legolas is uh, one. Legolas' seems feel forced while I'm on the subject of things I dislike. Why is he oh. kind of in the movie? Yeah, it feels like at this point he's kind of served his purpose. Why is he still in the movie? Yeah. Because um, his fight scene is the silliest thing in the movie as far as fight scene goes. Little physics defying. 
I know he's an oh, elf and he uh, kind of does that, but oh, with the uh, running on the falling bricks. Yeah, like, uh, I think the more like the bat thing was a bit more like the bat thing. Like oh, he yeah. of all the fight scenes, like okay, it's a fantasy movie, but he has the physics said no, this doesn't work like this even remotely moments. Yeah, he but... just doesn't feel like he needs to be in this movie, yet he still is because of the love triangle. And he gets a, it, it's a cool fight scene, but it doesn't make any sense. No. I think I liked. And I might catch flack for this. Is like Tariel, she might have been like captain, I guess captain of the guard or something. I don't know. But she's not like as powerful as the King of the Elves. Or Legolas, apparently. <laughs> and like how she like is getting beat by this super orc. Well the, the And the... even like Killy is getting beaten by the I I kinda liked how they didn't do like Pepper Potts and Iron Man 3. Where the she's hero- all empowered and awesome, and it's just like, does uh, she really have to be? <laughs> admittedly, the, like the, she she holds her own, but this guy the implication is pretty, this, this guy's guy pretty is, tough. Like he's, I think the implication is he's the other leader of the orcs. Yeah, yeah he's so, he's basically the second in command. Yeah. kind of thing. So it he's powerful and he's a good fighter. You don't get to be lead the orcs by just being charismatic. That's not how they roll. No, yeah, it's eat or be eaten over there, but. I uh, find that maybe a little refreshing, perhaps. I don't. I don't know. I think the best term for it is it felt refreshing. Natural. It felt natural, pretty much. Yeah, this guy's the just villains. Like, huh, what are you doing? The <laughs> villains actually felt competent. Yeah, I mean, what do they do? They do like as like, Azog and Azog is using military taxes to divide and conquer these forces. He's got a backup plan. He's got a good vantage point. He's got commanders. His they can understand. Uh, horn. They had like this horns and like this flag thing. This flag system. And... Like they actually felt like, uh oh, you, you actually have this they moment of belief that the elves and the dwarves, who I was kind of hoping wouldn't work together, but they spoilers no. they do. The greater enemy and all that, especially when he shows up on a dune worm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was a. Uh... That was a thing that happened. Yeah, I was like, huh? We need to justify these when orcs did... digging through the earth. Yeah. I know. Dune. So then I was like, huh, when did we start watching Dune? I still have to watch that movie. So, um, uh, there's not a lot to hate. And, it, and another thing to like is that it ends fairly succinctly. When it ends, it ends. It doesn't have 20 false endings like Return right, of the King. Return of yeah. the King, that was an issue with it. Um, it also helps sort of explain how... I'm trying to think of the way to explain it. It actually kind of makes the endings in the... In Return of the King, since we're talking about it, they have a little more concrete connection because the character weavings are better built like you understand why Bilbo Bilbo got to go with the elves right yeah like you kind of understand that better because he has a better connection with them than what would have happened before mm-hmm. uh, like you get the sensation of why he's such an interesting and important character in those movies and uh, not just the referencing the old guard yeah I mean it fits you actually feel like he, it makes that a little better there's still too many endings in Return of the King yeah, it just refuses to die. I think as Peter Jackson realized, I have nowhere else to go. And he's like, I can go back. Yeah, there's a. Uh, it, it, it definitely feels more complete. And okay, fine. It ends with the beginning of Lord of the Rings, but whatever. Mm. Oh, maybe um, Alfred doesn't get his comeuppance, which is odd. The comedic uh, weasel sidekick villain. I think that's the best way to describe yeah. him. He's antagonistic mm. at the, the very least. Uh, he strangely does not get his comeuppance, which that we see. No, he just kind of runs Gets away. Off. Yeah, he just runs I, off. I, I, I bet dollars, the, the dollars to donuts, that's a deleted scene somewhere. Yeah, they're like, okay, we gotta cut something, man. 
Oh, he probably gets shanked or something eventually, or he falls off well, a cliff. Uh, so I guess we'll kind of go to rating then from here. Um, mm-hmm. We'll just try to wrap this up then. This was surprisingly better. I don't know what I was expecting. I kind of wasn't looking forward to this one. The other ones I was kind of looking forward to. This one I was kind of like... I, I think the second one eroded a lot of a... Uh, even the first one kind of... I think it's because we knew it was going to be three stories, I, I, and I, did, we didn't think it was going to be long enough. The second one had my attention because I didn't know, like, okay, where are they going to end it? That's what I was interested in for the second one. Yeah. And they definitely did a really good job in this one because I didn't think there'd be a whole lot left other than the battle. But they got the a stuff lot that of they weaved in there was great, and they definitely brought everything together. This is... In a weird way, the Lord of the Rings movie we always wanted to see. Like, it was a bit more over the top than Peter Jackson was before. Like, not with the magic. The magic's still really subdued, but there's, like, catapults on the backs of these trolls. There's, like, yeah. giant death worms. There's, like, like weirdly deformed and, like, amputated bat- battle trolls. Like There's the bat-goblin things. Yeah, like, yeah. there's, like, the epic mounts. Like, it's just... It the- went a little crazier than you... than the Lord of the Rings were. It, and it's kind of, kind of the movie we always wanted. Like it's the kind of fantasy movie we always want to see, but we never get. We don't get the epic fantasy movie and like the crazy stuff all in the same movie. Generally, usually not. And this one kind of does it. So yeah, better than I expected. I'd say seven. Seven's a respectable number. For the thing I really liked, I did like the stuff with mm-hmm. like the dragon sickness. I thought that was kind of neat, and the conflict there with with Bilbo and the different kings. That that was unexpectedly good. It was for downtime and kind of killing time i guess yeah for playing Bilbo. it was interesting it was it is certainly without a doubt i have to say this one's my favorite of the hobbit movies i haven't seen the lord of the rings movies in a while so i can't compare them to those but they're kind of their own thing i felt this battle was presented a lot better than the grand grandos battles that were in return of the king yeah it's going to draw a lot of comparisons to return of the king pretty much for the reasons we brought up because it's the end of the series because it features the biggest battles, which was a big feature. Because you didn't of the see King. anybody in Return of the King, like, the, like it was nobody of... seemed to live in Minas Tirith. Yeah, it was like, a very like Lake Town. The Lake Town people are in this film. Yes, they're there, and they were the most interesting part of the second film was Lake Town. Yeah, and so on Smog. Smog steals the show at the end of the second one, and uh, he's very intimidating in this movie. It's just a shame he's not around longer. Mm-hmm. Like, um, like that's just I, I've got to admit I'm always a soft spot for the designs of the armors and we get to see a lot more dwarven armor here than we ever have before some of their thicker heavier stuff and that looked really cool I, I liked most of the fight scenes like the choreography is usually pretty good I didn't like the stuff with the king of the elves his name I can't his name kind of escapes me uh, Therodrilla uh, Ronan Therod- the Accuser the Ronan the Accuser character <laughs> Uh, that's who that is. Is that the same actor? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Oh Jesus! I didn't know that. Hmm. Um, Bill Connolly was amazing fun as he walked in with his doors, told everyone to piss off. Yeah. I'm gonna water the ground with your blood. It was kind of a disconnect because it's just like it was weirdly. It, he's like the he's, he's oddly the, the most mainstream actor. They've ever put in one of these films, like as much as like we, you can talk about, we Ian like Christopher Kellen, Lee or Christopher Lee. Lee. Yeah. He's like a comedian and d- does movies. Yeah, but he's a comedian. He's a very distinctive voice, so it's really weird to hear him coming out of the dwarf. And we've never heard any of the other characters telling someone to sod off. Yeah, no, like that's I, a very modern, casual, 
kid. I'd Language. say, yeah, it's very casual and modern. Like, I, I can't say they wouldn't use it, but oh, I don't yeah, know I was... that they would because they've never used it before. I was gonna... He's the first dwarf that walked in was just like, oi, piss off. It's it's really solid. Uh, I don't... There's things to hate. Again, it's, it's still too long. Mm-hmm. I have issues with movies over two hours. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't feel it, but it is over two hours, and you... Yeah, that's just something I think cinema has to stop because everybody's doing it now. You don't have a reason for your film to be over two hours anymore. Stop doing it. Um, but if I'm going to give it a rating, I would probably give it, uh, I would probably go with a 7. I, I, I actually, I, I enjoyed it way more than I th- I do recommend it. It's basically the only thing to see in theaters right now. It was, you know, it was, you're right. It was the best out of, well, actually, to be, uh, I can only say out of the two. I haven't seen the first one. I know I'm terrible. But yeah, I mean, I'm, out of the two that I saw, you know, this one is the better one. It, it, and the thing is, it does wrap everything up beautifully. Even though there are some things which, you know, I'd say didn't need to be in there, but everything is wrapped up nicely. I usually, I'm usually always the one that bring up the music. You know, it it fit well. Nothing overtly. It was a Lord of the Rings movie soundtrack. Yeah, it's beautiful, but it's nothing where you're... it's fantasy not breaking anymore. No, no, it, it was cool in what two thousand and two or whenever the yeah. first one was. Yeah. Like, it's been a while, and they've gotten a lot of mileage on the soundtrack, because it does have that resonance quality. When you hear it, you know it, because like, it's so uh, established. Yeah. Like, every time Bilbo looks at the, the ring... Yeah, they have the like, same... They, they use the same tune every yeah. time. Or every time, oh, yeah. like, they're in the Shire, or... It's like something almost from Lord of the Rings, they play that happy Shire song. But, I mean, the soundtrack is basic, but beautiful. It, uh, you know, everything looked good. What was the... What was the actor that played the king's uh, or the dwarf king's cousin there Billy Connolly Billy Connolly he was yeah he did seem oddly funny but you never really see a lot of dwarves and the way they act he pulls you right out of the movie I, I he think. does pull you out but I, mean, I, almost, I was just like Billy Connolly like, <laughs> I heard it too I'm just like what are we watching The Last Samurai when did this happen so whenever I think of Billy Connolly I think of The Last Samurai yeah. But when you really like, but it, he is almost like a stereotypical thought of dwarf yes. though, and how he oh would... for sure like he definitely is dwarfy. It's just yeah. it's like, just so out, kind of out of left field is all yeah yeah oh it is and but they introduce I mean... him really well. So is he yeah. like Thorin? Well, <laughs> no. I always thought Thorin was the uh, more reasonable of the two. He's like, <laughs> He's mm. like mm. and he does ride into battle on a battle pig. Yeah. Which, with a giant mate or giant warhammer. But you know, brownie points for me. That's just I, oh, I love that. That's cool. cool. But yeah, in, in the you know, Peter Jackson always does awesome wars. Like when they set up when like uh, the dwarves are setting up their shield barrier. The yeah. wall. Like the wall. That just looked amazing. Like how there is Corian a certain a, uh, there is a certain scope to how it looks. There's a certain presentation style to it yeah. that is uniquely dwarven. You look at it, it's like oh that's dwarven. It's like I'm saying with the armor. Yeah, it, it's trans- translated well. Not really, the most of like well, it, dwarves you, are always blocky armor. Like I'm, I'm not and... saying that it's a uh, it's unique because I don't think that's the correct term for it. But it's very stereotypical. Only Peter Jackson can do war on this scale. It seems. Yeah, everyone else is he, he definitely knows how to shoot and create the shots yeah even if Very most much. of it in this time was by a computer but, but still like, he's yeah. still got to be planned out the, someone's got a plan that and he does know how to do that very well oh yeah the only beef I had with that is the fact that like, the elves like ran over them and started attacking the orcs like, like come on arrows like it's like more logical had... setup all of them had arrows why didn't you just like stand behind them and 
lob arrows as the dwarf stood as a wall. This was more unexpected. That was, it was more it was visually more striking. Theatrical. Yeah, it was more theatrical. It was, but I mean, if you think tactical, it's like, well, oh, it's no. silly. How would you rate it, though? How would I rate it? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, if you watch it with the other one, it's a pretty decent movie. Watching them individually, it kind of gets irritating. I think it's definitely better if you watched it back-to-back with the second one. Yes. I, uh, I, I agree, Keep... because of the way it starts in the middle of a climax. Yeah. Like... Keeping in mind with the first half, you know, the Desolation of Smog, mm-hmm. I would rate this a 7. But if you just watch this, I find it drops down to almost a 5. Just passable? Like, if you didn't watch the first one, this is just passable. You don't really have a you... lot of... There's a lot of build-up you don't get. Like, yeah. with, with Bard and Lake Town and even stuff like Smog... Is really good in the second one, and he's so and he resonates like, through this entire film. Yeah, but you don't really get a whole lot of him. In fact, what you get of him is kind of like he just oh he got punked out really fast. Well, yeah, he comes in, he burns, he kills, well, like one and line. then he gets shot. His one line is fucking terrifying, though. Yes. Yeah, like I could just imagine being on the like, I could, like you you put yourself in that shoes. It's terrifying listening. It's just like. It's, uh, how did you describe it? It was like a volcano talking to you? Yeah, like... You might not even feel it? You might not even be able to, like, understand what he's saying, because just the scale and mass and power of this thing talking to you, like, it would be like, yeah, it'd be like a nuke talking to you as, a, as it's falling. Like, you can't even... It's not un- on the same level, but it's talking to you. Yeah. It, 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 Specifically, it's yeah. scary. Oh, but the you, one scene that I did find hilarious, though, is when he uses his son as, like, a piece of a crossbow. I'd like to point out that the arrow feathers sweeping by his face probably should have cut him just from the sheer size and friction. Yeah, it had fletching out. That was neat. Because I thought they made a big deal. It's like only a black arrow from a dwarven, whatever stupid name they gave to the big, which was not in the book. Probably. So I thought yeah. that he was going to be racing, because they only had one of like both. Yeah. He was going to be racing to the last one. But like he only went to like the tower with a regular bow and arrow, which is pretty ballsy. I guess he thought, oh, yeah. fuck, I can hit him. And to be fair, he did hit him with every arrow. Yeah. It didn't do anything, but he hit him with every uh, arrow. How yeah. is this impressive? When like, when we were saying in an impossible, when we were talking about in the last movie with the bow and arrow, Hunger Games, yeah. <laughs> with the planes that were smaller... To be fair, he, he was the one that said it wasn't, it wasn't as impressive. I it wasn't it was impressive cool. in that, but it's more... It's not really impressive in this one either, no, because it's, it's slower. And he's way bigger. Yeah, he's bigger and, and he's slower that, it wasn't and that closer. There, this is way more possible here. Yeah. Oh, it's very much more possible here. But so you're thinking as a standalone five. Yeah. If you've seen the other ones, it might bump up to. Uh, It'll go seven. up to seven easily because it everything is is much better if you watch it as the whole. Yeah. I might even think of this even highlier if I've watched the first one, maybe. Mm. Yeah, no. Some of the some of the lines he has for the dwarves, actually, I can see that. There's a lot of a uh, com- like a lot of character building and camaraderie between the dwarves that you don't get in any of the ones that's in the first one. Yeah, like, Thorin's a prick in the first one, and then he's but not. You a, he's, he's not so much a prick in the second one, and then he's a prick again in this one. Well, he's, he's a prick not... for a different reason, but yeah, yeah. So I think that'll just about wrap us up here. Um, go see it. I mean, there's nothing else to see in theaters right now on the Christmas break, but there usually <laughs> isn't. So. Yeah, definitely go see this one. Preferably watch Desolation of Smog first. Don't care how you see it. Just see that one first and then watch this one. Anyway, I guess that'll be the three guys podcast signing out. Uh, We will see you next time. Good night, folks.
Good night. Bye.